You are listening to Trinity Employment's A-Player Matchmaker Podcast, starring your host and the co-founder of Trinity Employment Specialists, Corey Minter. Hello, and thank you very much for joining us today. And um, my name's Corey Minter, and it's been a while since we've done a podcast, but today... I'm really excited. This is a follow-up to our leadership luncheon series that we just did, and um, I'm here with Teresa Henson, who did a great presentation on Clifton Strength Finders for our managers. And um, the whole purpose of that, we're following up a series. This was our second part of a three-part series of becoming the employer of choice. And man, Teresa, you killed it, man. Thank you. Yeah, you really killed it. You know, you know that we have had more response from this particular uh, uh, presentation of our leadership luncheon series than any of them that we've had. That is so awesome. Being a manager is super hard, and um, thankfully I've been allowed to be one and to manage people for you know the last 20 to 25 years. So having a lot of experience and kind of my own testimony really helps to practical application when me and amber when we have different issues we sometimes talk about what you would think about and i know amber comes and talks to you quite a bit for for most of you that are not going to know Teresa and i are very good friends almost every speaker that i have come into our leadership luncheon series is just a dear friend of mine and um and so we often uh, contact Teresa and just wondering uh, what she's doing. But I, I need to jump into this. And we're in a hot room here because we decided to come in here and do it on the weekend. And apparently, my building doesn't turn on the air conditioner at full blast. So, Teresa, just when you get kind of wrapped up, just wrap me up and Sounds I'll wrap this good. up. We're probably going to go about 15, maybe 20 minutes here, just so you can kind of set your clocks on, on how long this is going to go. So, um, my first question how how can strength how can Clifton strengths be effectively used to enhance team performance and foster competitive culture in the workplace? Yes, definitely. Great question. So Clifton strengths is an assessment that each of us can take. And what it really does an amazing job of figuring out how you think, act, and behave naturally. So what you naturally lead with. It's not something that you wish you could be. It's something that you are. And most people, when they take the strengths assessment, they feel, quote unquote, found out. You know, they'll kind of read their results and go, somebody has figured out who I am. But there's an amazing positive spin to that. And as a manager, when you start to learn, then you know how someone is motivated and or demotivated. And it changes the way that you communicate with them and how they communicate with you. So it stops making things so subjective, you know, oh, that person doesn't like me, or I can't believe they would say that to me. And it starts to make things very objective because now you understand where each of the things comes from and why they would say and do something. And it, it, brings in transparency into the equation, which then allows for a very vulnerable, transparent conversation instead of a, you know, shame, you know, any of the negative emotions that you would bring to the table for that. You know, when um, when we started talking to you, Amber and I, about just management, when we really, when I really at first realized, man, this girl's got some real good just skills or experience in, in management, um, 
you were kind of already talking about this kind of stuff. I'm talking about 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. What what got into you? What was the moment when you were like, oh my gosh, this is very important for me as a manager. Do, do you remember the story of when that happened? I actually do. So I was in my early 30s. I was a new mom and I was now managing several, I, mean, I think it was like 30 to 50 people globally um, through a company called Solar Winds. And I had to really learn really quick how to manage people. And I originally thought that I was amazing at that. But then when I got into it with this many people on different continents, different time zones, you know, there was a lot that I started to do in a very what I call raw form. So I wasn't really operating in my strengths, and I didn't know it at the time, right? I just thought I had maybe low self-esteem, and, and going into it, I realized, okay, I'm going to start to make a lot of mistakes, and I need to be more transparent with that. What I realized as a leader and as a manager is it's okay to make a mistake and to talk about that with your employee to build trust, for them to see that it's a safe place to have vulnerable conversations and to talk through it and be a support system for each other instead of I said do this you should listen and you should only listen to me because I'm an authority figure instead it became no this is a working relationship that we can build a friendship through as well you know it's so weird for me as well as we know one another it's it was really a surprise to me and it actually caught me off guard again when you mentioned it in your presentation uh, last Tuesday that you know, I, I really had low self-esteem as a manager. What is so crazy is most people, and you mentioned this in the presentation, you're like, most people had no idea that that was really happening. When, when you realize this, that, hey, listen, I'm really not as confident as I need here, um, you know, I think a lot of managers are like that. We're, we're like on an, our own island. Yep. And um, we feel like, we're the only one dealing with this because in the company, you know, we're on our own island. Um, I'm going to go on to another Strengths Finders question after this. Um, but can you talk about that just real quick? Like, yeah, it, that it. was so interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. So, and that's where strengths came into play. So now, fast forward, I'm now in my mid 30s. Um, I've moved over to a different company and I am now the president of a company. And I knew that I needed help in that regard because I was not used to being just, you know, the final executor of an escalation or a question or, or the final decision maker, I guess is the best way to say it. So I brought in someone to mentor me and she was a strength coach. After I learned my assessment, got a little bit more into my results, I realized that self-assurance is a strength. And for me, there are 34 different strengths and me, it's in my bottom 30s. So now that gave me that aha moment to realize that I didn't have to worry about that anymore. I inherently don't come with self-insurance, but if I'm operating in my top five strengths and being my best self every day, then that shuts out that voice. So I'm a very extroverted, bubbly person. So like Corey was saying, the minute someone heard that I was insecure or had insecurities, nobody really believed that piece of me until I opened up to say, and I think I gave that picture where it's, you know, a duck floating on the lake and above they look, you know, fine and grand and they're just floating along. But underneath it's the legs kind of kicking and squealing and, and going on a faster pace, which is what was happening in my mind, right? But now I've been able to quiet that voice. Now that's, that voice is always there, but now I don't 
overanalyze it. I don't give it merit. I don't sit and dwell on it anymore because now I know how to operate in my strengths. I can shut it down and move forward. That's so interesting because even as a manager myself, um, very quickly we get into or we accept responsibilities that really drain us and we're not that good at it. And very quickly, before we know it, we're in that mind space. So, so such important thing. Um, let me let me move on to the next uh, question. You'd mentioned uh, the Tuckman model, mm, yes, in your presentation, and I think it, what was interesting to me is I've never heard of the Tuckman model, but there were multiple managers um, in the room that obviously did. For those of us that don't really know the Tuckman model, you described it a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about the Tuckman model and why it's so important for us to research and know about. Definitely. So there are four specific stages of team development, and every manager should do some research on this and start to normalize the process. Because anytime someone leaves the team or starts new on the team, whether that's in the employee and or the manager, it works in both scenarios, um, the whole team goes through these four stages. Um, there's actually a fifth one that was added in 2023, and I'll talk about that in just a second. So the first stage is forming, and that's your dating phase, right? Everybody's really nicey-nice to each other. No one wants to step on each other's toes, and, and you're just starting to get to know each other from a work perspective. Then the second phase, after you've decided, okay, I know my role in the team, and now I'm going to start testing all my responsibilities. And that, the whole group then goes into what's called the storming phase. And it's exactly that. Boundaries start to get tested. I'm going to figure out exactly where all my limits are in my role, my swim lane on what I can do. And the only way out of it is trust. And once the team has established that trust, you then move into the third phase, which is norming. So now everybody on the team knows their place, you've got a good operating rhythm, and you're starting to excel. That's when you would then move into the performing phase, which is the fourth step, where you're now hitting all your targets and exceeding all your targets. But, so let's say you get to the end of the first half of the year, which is kind of where we are right now, and someone says, sorry, I've got another job offer, and leaves the team. That's actually called the fifth phase, which is adjourning the whole team's going to start over because responsibilities of whatever that person was doing is going to shift to someone else. So that means the whole team goes back to the forming stage. And what's really eye-opening to everybody to help get back into that trust level and back into norming and performing is to talk about those four stages. So the minute that that, you know, kind of... Uh, banter back and forth starts happening and you can realize that everyone's at storming, just stop everyone and say, okay, we're here again. Let's reestablish trust so that we can move forward. God, how, how much does that hit home in our experience? If, if you've been a manager for a little bit, all of those things really happen. So, um, of course those things happen. And I think myself and a lot of people are like, all right, that's kind of comforting to hear because I've experienced that. What kind of information can we go to you know, online or maybe information that you have? Like, what do you do when you notice that these things happen? How can we be proactive in knowing that, yeah, this happens? 
Exactly. How can we be on top of that in front of it? So the first one is learning the Tuckman model, and there is a great PDF out there if you'll just Google it. It's literally a one sheet that will give you the characteristics of what's happening in it at each stage, and then as a manager, what strategies to do at each phase to kind of be on top of it. The second part to that is to know what are the five things that high-performance teams do that make a difference. Harvest, Harvard Business Review is probably my favorite, um, and that's the one that I've researched and done a lot of my studies on so far. And there are five specific things. Um, now, every team is a little different, and will they be these exact five? No, but this is definitely a starting place. The first one is having friends outside of work, meaning your coworkers become your friends. And how that happens is by having daily communication and building trust. So as a manager, something very practical that each of us can do is to start to set some sort of rhythm. Um, I would recommend monthly, if not quarterly, that is maintained throughout the year where you give your employees a way to build trust that is outside of the workplace. So whether it's doing lunches, whether it's having a picnic, it, and when I say offsite, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, like extravagant or big or huge. Um, the building, the office that I used to have um, was right off of um, a highway, but right before it, it had a picnic area or like a park area. And so we literally just grabbed all of our stuff. We did a sign-up genius. Everybody brought different food items. And we went down to the park. We also then did um, an icebreaker ice questions. So that's another piece is get to know your employees and have them get to know each other. You can work with someone 40, 50 hours a week, more than with your family, but yet have no clue how they grew up or how they live life. So having some icebreaker questions. Now, it, does, it needs to not become a therapy session, right? And you need to give warrant that, you know, this is not the time to bring up, you know, deep, horrible things that have happened in your past, right? Maybe this is not the right place for that. But to have it lighthearted enough to just know, you know, what are three things that impacted how you grew up? Mm-hmm. And just learn those things about someone. So it's, it's building areas of time that are on a calendar, that are scheduled, that are planned, where your employees can get to know each other and build and understand each other a little bit more. Yeah. Golly. I'm going to I'm going to go back to the strengths finders real quick. You know, a long time ago, um, I was invited to Life Church corporate offices um, by a guy named Jerry Hurley. And they brought me and some other executives in there just to kind of learn from him and Craig because they had just earned or was were awarded like the best places to work. One of the things that they did, they used strength finders and they had on the outside of every cubicle, um, you know, all of their strengths. You know, I don't know this as well as you do, T- uh, Teresa, but um, they had all of their strengths outside printed on the outside of their cubicles so that when you walked in, you knew this was who you were talking to. Yes. Okay, with, with that in mind, I'm trying to tee up this next question. Okay, got it. How can frontline managers use the strengths-based approach, or just general managers, not necessarily frontline managers, how can managers use the strength, the strengths-based approach to enhance employee engagement and motivation? So when they see that thing on the outside of the cubicle, if they were to have it, 
What, what do you do with that? Exactly. It gives you a new vocabulary. So while the assessment is like 40 or $50 to take, the wealth of information is priceless. You get so many different reports and videos and podcasts and things to really understand your top five. With a little bit of research, by putting those top five in front of where each person is, you change the vocabulary of how you speak to someone. I actually even use it in our own home. We have it on our refrigerator, even for my two kids and my husband. And so um, we tend to use it more in time of conflict than anything. But you start to use the words that are on the page as built in. So for example, my husband has high strategic. So I know that if I'm going to go into any kind of conversation with him, whether I need to convince him of something or whether I need to argue a situation, then I know I need to lead with the end in mind. I'm going to go straight to the outcome first and then backtrack into it. So I gave you an example for home, but the same thing applies with your employees, right? So it's the same thing. You're going to go into a conversation if you need to motivate them in a certain way, lead them in a certain way, persuade them in a certain way. You know, your goal is to get them to be their best selves. And now you've got the exact words to incorporate into your vocabulary on how to do that that lights them up. They get excited about what you've had to say instead of it demotivating them. Yeah. Well, for me personally, as a manager, and you and I have talked about this privately, uh, this is something that I'm really always trying to work on. And quite frankly, I, I, I still have a lot of improvement to do um, because I'm the visionary. So I'm way down the line and um, learning how to communicate with someone that is just so differently minded from me. And you've always tried to encourage me in these certain areas. And so I just know that so many managers are, are struggling with that. And I probably need to speak with you about that <laughs> a little bit more. And I know a lot of you do as well. And I told you I was going to try to keep this to about 20 minutes. And we're getting there. And I have one last question for you. Okay. But before we get into that last question, I want I just want to encourage you that if you are working on this like I am, and, um, and you're trying to figure out how can I become a better manager and this message of Strengths Finders really speaks to you, feel like it could help you. Um, Teresa, how can people reach out to you? Um, I strongly recommend, Teresa, we've been doing this podcast uh, you know, right off the cuff. Um, this girl doesn't have one note in front of her, and <laughs> she's just spouting this off. She knows it very well. Um, if you were at the presentation, then you at least heard my version of her success, which is pretty significant. How can people get in touch with you? Would you mind to let them know real quick? Yeah, probably the easiest, just because my company name is Cosult, and sometimes it's not always the easiest to remember. But if you could just get on LinkedIn and look up Teresa Henson, um, and I currently work at a company called ServiceNow. So if you put in you know, ServiceNow as your search and Teresa Henson, I will immediately come up. I'm on there daily, but that's probably the fastest and easiest way to get a hold of me. You know, I spelled your name wrong for like <laughs> five years. <laughs> And I spelled it T-E-R-E-S-A. It's T-H-E-R-E-S-A. Yes, sorry. Um, Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. It's T-H-E-R-E-S-A, and Henson is H-E-N-S-O-N. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I just I just want to begin to wrap up. What, just leaving people, um, you know, we're, we're wrapping this up. Um, what What's one of the most important things that you really wanted to make sure that a manager walked away knowing um, 
when when you did your presentation, what what was your overall goal that you were hoping to accomplish with each one of which with the managers there? Absolutely. The first one is to have an aha moment in hearing everything that I've just said. You know, do, does this resonate with you? Are you currently experiencing one of these things? And then if so, start to put a plan in place that doesn't just live in your head. It needs to be a plan on paper, and you need to have a group that is willing to live it out with you. So um, being the president of the company for the one that I was specifically talking about where this made the most impact, I had to build a team from scratch. I did not have the time to to be that person and build everything of the community and the practical events to create the trust. But I had a group of people that were willing, and so I picked one particular person. I asked her if she was willing to do it. She said yes, and like, two seconds flat, and then she built another two to three people alongside with her, and they created the schedule of events. So make sure that you don't feel like you have to be doing this all yourselves. You can empower your team to be a part of the process. So first one is have your aha moment and realize what's maybe not working or could be working better. And the second thing is to not have a plan that lives in your head, but to get it out, build a team of people that can help you live it out, and move forward. Now there's one more story if you'll allow me just because it's impactful. So when we were talking about strengths and how to have that approach be best in the workplace. So um, I have one more little quick story that that tends to pack a punch when I cite when I tell it. So with my strengths I love Excel spreadsheets and I tend to tell people it's my love language. However I am not a high analytical strategic person. What that means is when I'm in spreadsheets um, when I have to do extensive formulas or build out huge reporting for people, I tend to get bogged down and it will take me four to five hours to create the reporting. So it's like an all day process for me. I finally realized that one of the other guys on my team had high analytical and high strategy. And so I was like, you know what? I don't have to be doing this by myself. So I partnered with him. I said, listen, I need to do this reporting. Can you help me? And I told him all about the project and I handed it over. He had it done in 20 minutes. 20 minutes. What was taking me to four to five hours, he had done in 20 minutes. He was smiling and he was like, I'd love to be a part of this. How can I do more? In, yeah. Isn't that crazy? It, you know, I this that was a big important lesson for me when I was learning how to manage this company, and that was, um, you know, I, I, I started out Teresa hiring people just like me, thinking that that's what I, I was needing to do, and later on, I I learned so much that if you will hire people with different skills than you, and if you can figure out what those skills are, give it to them. One, they're going to love you for that project. They're going to get it done in no time at all. They're going to have a great time doing it, and they're going to find a lot more value value in the work. And that was the most important part that I took. You know the aha moment? Well, I'm sitting there taking notes, and the aha moment for me was, I don't even like that term. Whatever whatever <laughs> that, you know, you know when, you, when your mindset changes, it, it was that, we're trying the, the biggest problem we're all dealing with as managers right now is employees are leaving they've got tons of options it's very difficult to recruit them we've got a massive demographic labor shortage and um, we're all trying to figure out how to hold on to our teams well the one thing that you said that really got my mind to going holy cow I need to be thinking about this is that if I can learn and master the strengths finders I can begin to assign the right task to my team that they're gonna love all day and they won't be they won't have to take on too many 
tasks that literally drain them over time, which allows that basically basically gets them on to Indeed or whatever the job searching site is, and getting into the mindset of maybe there's something better out there for me. Because what you were trying to say is, if you learn and master these strengths finders, your team can't wait to work for you. They're gonna love what they do, and that is the key to driving a great culture. Exactly. Thank you, Visionary, for setting that all beautifully. Yeah, that that was that was my thought. Um, so, anything else that I missed before we sign off? I was trying to keep it down to a manageable time, uh, under twenty minutes. Um, most people's attention span begin to wane at this point, but I really want to thank you for being here, and then not only just doing the presentation, but uh, taking the time to come over here on a Sunday in a hot room to to do this. Um, Teresa, tell them how to get a hold of you one last time, please. Absolutely. So if you'll go to LinkedIn, um, that's probably my preferred, and look up Teresa Henson, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, Henson, H-E-N-S-O-N. Thank you, Corey, so much for this opportunity. I love being able to pour into people and empower managers and employees. How great. Thanks, Teresa.